Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. DC fans, check out the latest live-action series, Titans. It's available now on the DC Universe. New episodes are streaming every Friday. It's the first original series to launch on DC Universe. Titans follows a young group of superheroes, which are Robin, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and others. And it's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise. Join the ultimate DC membership. More info at dcuniverse.com. I think we know when Benioff and Weiss are going to start working on those movies. J.J. Abrams has offered a pretty sweet deal. Is he going to take it? And then we're talking to you. That's right. All you guys are going to be submitting stuff for Jedi Council. Here we go. Welcome back to Collider Jedi Council. It's the Star Wars show that we talk about Star Wars. That makes sense. That's why it's called Jedi Council. And you guys are locked in. You're loaded. You're ready to talk about everything in the world of Star Wars. A lot of cool stuff, actually, this week. And what a crew to talk about it with me. The Grand Moff Nemiroff, Perry Nemiroff, is back. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. Are you going to be mad at me if I sneeze in the middle of this episode? Because it's a real possibility. Do it off camera. Just run away and come back? Yes. Um, Well, you just put your head down. And Kylo Ken, you'll probably get sneezed on. How are you, sir? Vince McMahon does not allow sneezing in the writer's room, as you probably know. So I don't know if we can allow this. For Uh, real? I didn't get that. I I didn't get that back then. He infamously thinks sneezing is a sign of weakness. I feel like you give off those vibes, not for that reason. But I feel like whenever someone in the office is sick, you're like, well, that's okay. That thing. Yeah. It's like, go home. I got kids at home. They get sick by just like if there's a sneeze in the air. And yesterday, yeah. I'm, where was I? I was going. I was going to see a screening up the yeah. escalator. A guy in front of me. Oh, the, but, but the, cover your mouth. It's well, the yeah, worst. You just you cover. No, you go. You go like that. Whatever. That's the clean way to cover do it. And you face. just wash your hands. It's like what's wrong yeah. with you? Work, working in malls for 17 years like I did. Uh, I was sick every other week. It was it was yeah, an, it's everyone's, incredible. Everyone's and especially you know kids at things. school they don't know uh, yeah. enough. Kids are just. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to Sneeze Talk. Welcome back to Collider Live, Jedi Council Edition. Collider Sneeze Talk, and we're going to be talking about uh, the world of Star Wars movie news. It's happening now. There's the droid himself, 5HNP3 himself. And um, we have some cool stuff that's been in the works, been talking about. What's going on, Ken? Uh, what's going on? Actually, first, I forgot to do this up top. Yes. Uh, we have a, a fan, and, and there's, there's, the world's always tough. A lot of things going on. Uh, we're here for a nice, simple distraction. But we do have a fan I wanted to give a shout-out to, Chris Morris. He was uh, posted in the Facebook group, the Collider Jedi sure. Council Facebook group. group. He is two weeks uh, out uh, of diverticulitis surgery. He's recovering. He's awesome. been missing the chat. Uh, so we here at Jedi Council want to wish you a well, uh, get well uh, wish uh, there, Chris. And if you're uh, listening, uh, I hope you are. If not, maybe someone in the group can posts that we all say hey we're thinking about you because maybe he's tied up recovering there so absolutely feel better um, get better yeah um i do want to make one other announcement yeah too this is a pretty cool announcement so if you watch for your consideration which is the show with scott mance the grand no- grand moff nemiroff herself perry <laughs> nemiroff and jeff snyder um it is a show to where all the latest in the movies that could be getting nominated in the upcoming awards season movies that surely will be the talks are happening, and guests have been filing in and out of that show. One of arguably the biggest guests um, that they have gotten thus far is happening. They believe they are going to be airing that episode tomorrow. It is going. I'm going to tell Monday. you in a second. 
Monday. Sorry, Monday. It, they are airing it on Monday, and it is going to be on the this channel here as well as the Movie Talk podcast feed. Now, who is that? Why am I bringing it up here? Well, it's not Kylo Ken, but no. it is Kylo Ren himself. Adam Driver will be in studio with Perry Mance and Snyder. It's got to be pretty exciting. I, I am beyond thrilled about this, obviously, because I'm a huge fan of most of his movies, but also just in rewatching Black Klansman multiple times yeah. in the past couple of weeks. He's really good. He's really he good deserves movie, yeah. to be in the four-year consideration conversation for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. So Adam Driver will be in studio, and he is going to be sitting down with the FYC crew. Once again, make sure you watch it on Monday, or you can listen to it on Monday. Subscribe to the Movie Talk podcast feed. Very exciting. We are excited to have him. Will he be joining us here on, Je- on Jedi Council? Absolutely not. All right. Ken, <laughs> what's, uh, what's next? Uh, I hear he's actually a really nice guy. I interviewed him for yeah. Force Awakens. He was super nice, uh, but that I just he's not doing a Star Wars no, rounds. He's, he's not, doing a Black Panther rounds. He's not. Uh, uh, we have a mutual friend that uh, shared some drinks with him, and I heard some stories. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this story here, um, yeah, you know, uh, it's our headline, and uh, we even talk about it here. Entertainment <laughs> Weekly shared a recent, if small, update uh, about the deal's involvement. I'm reading from Jedi uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com. Um, Benioff and Weiss. You know, they're working on this little thing called Game of Thrones, the final season. I've heard of it. And though the principal uh, photography and production is is mostly done there or is done, uh, they're in post-production. And, uh, you know, you got to put a lot of of work goes into those dragons, Christian. So they're not on their little MacBooks uh, on iMovie making it themselves, but uh, they're overseeing it. So that is when we know that they're going to start working. And they shared that Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy gave them some tips on how to lock things down. Though I will say Game of Thrones, for the most part, remains pretty... Pretty spoiler-free. Some set photos do leak out from here and there. But there's been a lot of things they've done under wraps, so they know their own way. So uh, we don't have anything exact about when, but we do know that they, you know, they've started, but they're not going to go in earnest till everything's wrapped up. So the question I have is you are the perfect person to talk to this about. Mm-hmm. The final episodes air when? We for don't Game know officially. We don't know. That's Rumors. no official. Are we okay. uh, spring of 2019, but that was kind of thrown out the window. We don't quite we don't know. know. All right. Well, then there's a couple questions to be had then, because mm-hmm. is it going to be once they shoot their last scene of Game of Thrones that they're going to start? Is it going to be after the finale ends? That much is not clear, right? Right. I, 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 I would say that before the series launches and actually hits uh, the airwaves, I think, I think they'll be going. I'm sure they've got a little sketch pad. They've already put some ideas down. They yeah. work not – they have an office nearby, not so us, go but in Hollywood. Oh. They work on everything there at the same spot. So maybe we should check to see if their parking spots are Well, Perry, are here's my question then because let's say, let's say Ken's right. Let's say that – after they shoot their last scene, they're done, they're wrapped, and the show's about, let's say it airs in April, right? Let's say it airs in April. Um, that's around the same time that celebration lands in Chicago. Yeah. And because of this news, this is, the, this is really the first news we've even had of this series since, like, the announcement mm-hmm. that they have, you know, it's not big news, but it's news mm-hmm. in the fact that they're going to get started. Because of that, is that a tidbit of get ready for celebration because there's going to be more information about the the series of movies. You're going to learn what it is and we'll learn exactly when they're going to come out. I think I lean towards a no because having been to two celebrations now, I know what tends to happen. You go into it and you think everything.
everything is going to be announced for every movie. And you're going to see footage and all this stuff. And then we wind up getting some cool stuff, but it's the smallest fraction of what we've all predicted. And I just get the feeling that in 2019, Star Wars Celebration is going to be heavily focused on The Mandalorian and the episode next nine. Uh, yeah episode nine the next the next big movie to come out and it seems like given past years they want to keep and it behooves them to keep the focus on that essentially this is part of their marketing campaign and the second you start to throw in other things it takes a little bit of the attention away from the big things and particularly with the launch of the streaming uh, the streaming service there they want to go so heavy on that because I don't think this is going to happen, but it would be a colossal failure if that launched and didn't do well. So they need to push all their resources in that direction right now. I would agree with you if Star Wars Celebration was three days. Uh, Star Wars Celebration is five days this year. That's a lot of content to fill in five days. I think you're right. In fact, they're going to have a streaming panel, which is going to cover Clone Wars and The Mandalorian, and that'll probably be a pretty big panel i think they're definitely i mean they're definitely in episode mm-hmm. nine that's probably where the big trailer is going to come i think they will do something similar to what they did with rogue one in 2015 they're going to have an announcement because i think whether this movie that they're working on comes out i believe it's going to come out in 2021 because i said it yesterday in cloud live and i'll say it again here i think star wars is going to start to go to every other year because of the avatar um, franchise now. You've got the four movies coming out in Avatar. Disney now is going to be a part of that. You're going to have James Cameron in December one year. Then you're going to have Star Wars the next year. And then you're also going to have Mandalorian. And I think fans will be okay with it. I would like it once a year, but I think we'll be okay with it if it goes to two. And I think Avatar with two fantasy sci-fi, they're not going to have them go up against each other. Remember, they were supposed to, and yeah. Avatar kept getting pushed away. Maybe there was rumblings of, well, look, we might be able to purchase thing, this thing down the line. Let's wait and then <laughs> see what happens. I think Avatar is going to definitely be the reason why we get every other year for Star Wars, not including Mandalorian, obviously. And it will be announced what it is and the year at Star Wars Celebration. Ken, am I crazy? Well, that's a separate question. That's I don't true. Know the answer to, but uh, I don't think it's crazy at all. And I don't think the every other year is crazy now. Like we said, uh, a 2020 movie would have already i mean these things can always be in production behind the veil of secrecy but something i would have expected to have been announced by now for 2020 uh other than just eh, people are working on things so yeah that makes some sense and yeah now that you you know now that disney eventually is just going to own everything in the world yeah, yeah. this might happen and, and we'll have to wait and I, I think it'll be okay because of what you talk about the mandalorian and i absolutely believe you know like perry said the streaming is is the battlefield for a lot of uh of these companies so that that makes some sense and we'll be okay and also don't forget that the theme park comes out next year too mm-hmm. so oh that, i have there's going to be a heavy heavy push big panel on that and you're going to see a lot of stuff that you haven't seen and that might that's another reason why there's going to be a full day mm-hmm. i think future announcements of whether it's um you know new series new things i think perry might be right that we're not they're not going to go crazy on a lot of announcements you may or may i think the one you might not hear anything about is the ryan johnson stuff mm-hmm. you might but i think the benioff wife stuff because of this because of what's happening today and because we're getting so close to the airing of game of thrones at that point that there will be some uh, some news about it i don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility i do think there's a small chance that that could happen but i also think that they might have learned their lesson with uh teeing up projects and letting announcements get out there and then those projects never come to fruition they don't disney doesn't have that problem with marvel because marvel built that foundation and they basically 
earned the ability to release X amount of movies per year, but we've seen it happen with DC where you announce a big slate, it doesn't happen, and then everyone gets all bummed. And I feel like they're in the middle right now where they're kind of trying to refine their footing again and announcing things too far in advance before it's like 100% solidified and we have that date and we're going to hit it no matter what. I just think that's a dangerous game to be playing right now. You're not wrong, but 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 this is a different circumstance altogether. You're talking I mean, when it comes to Ryan Johnson stuff or future movies or things of that nature, 100% agree. This this is this is very different because this is within 2 years of when they're going to release the movie. So it's like we're already like for what they said, this has already been announced. This isn't like, "Hey, guess what's coming? Benioff and Weiss, we know that already and they're going to start working on it already." That we know. By the time if we get to April and they're still working on it, then it makes sense for them to say, hey, look, they've been working on the project. This is what the project is. And here's the release date. That's not out of the realm because that's normally that's any movie that that comes out that's going to be working within two years of, of time because they're not going to do unless they already have a script done and they say, OK, which is not going to happen to where they say well, the script is done. We're coming out next year. That's dangerous as opposed to, OK, guys, it's April of 2018 in uh, or April 2019 in December of 21, which is two and a half years or whatever it is, or two years. Um, the movie's coming out. So I think or it was a year and a half. I think that, that that's possible. They don't even have a director, though. I think that's what's kind of throwing me off, too, a little bit, is, like, once they... I mean, maybe that is a good announcement, actually, to make at Celebration, whoever's going to direct that first movie. Because that's what I'm curious about more so than anything right now. Right, and I think that that could absolutely... If they give, it depends on how big, what the panel is, right? If it says, what they did at one point that I agree with you that I don't think they're going to do, there was one panelist, like future movies, future Mm -hmm. projects, that type of stuff. That's a dangerous thing to do because they don't have a full locked plan yet. I feel like that's when they released like a first look image of Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo one year or something like that. Yes, that was during during your time. That might have been London. Yes, that was during London. And he had already been announced. Yeah. And walked out and just like, that's the. I just remember us gearing up for that day. And then it being, you know, a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, and then Josh Trank, that was the big, that was a big misfire there. It was mm-hmm. the, he was supposed to come out during the Gareth Edwards thing. So, yeah. um, Ken, but do you, yeah. th- you, if you to guess at this point, yeah, you're the tiebreaker. Okay. Perry goes no. Right. I say yes. Where do, where do you lie on it? I I think at uh, Celebration uh, 2019, uh, they will roll uh, Benioff and Weiss out in nice press suits. They will say this is what we're working on. Uh, this might be who was directing it, the first one at least, and uh, here, spring or winter of this year. I think that works. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how about you guys? Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think they're going to, because it was announced that they're going to start working on it after Game of Thrones, by the time we get the celebration, will that be enough time? Or do you think they're going to wait until maybe summer of next year before we get any more information? Comment right now if you're watching live or if you're watching on the replay or tweet at us or go to the Collider Jedi Council uh, Facebook group, have a conversation there. All right, Ken, what's next? All right, this is, I'm glad we got Perry here for this. I was asking her questions before. I don't pay attention to much of the business stuff sometimes anymore. Uh, and several major Hollywood studios, according J.J. Abrams, uh, reading Variety here, is looking to land a lucrative mega deal with a big media company, you know, one with a lot of movies, TV shows, and a theme park, Perry. There's only a few in the world, uh, unless you count, uh, you know, some Yahoo outside Knott's Berry Farm with a camcorder. But <laughs> I, uh, I think they're still negotiating this mega deal. 
Team J.J. Abrams working on this. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Take me through this. I, I feel know. like that's the studio I would go to work for. Whoever yeah. has a theme park deal with just somebody standing yeah. outside knots with a camera. I got a van in the parking lot. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's where it's I would be working. Break, break down. What, what do you know about this? What um, do you think is happening? He hasn't accepted anything. Well, I find this whole arrangement pretty fascinating. I mean, first off. It would put an insane amount of money in his pocket. I think the number that was shelled out here was something like half a billion dollars. Wow. That's just like absolutely crazy. But um, it's really interesting to see the industry change right now because like way back in the day, this is how the industry operated is talent would align themselves with one studio right. and stick with one studio. That obviously has not been the case recent years, but now with the rise of streaming services, and especially with streaming services and studios now realizing we don't want to license out our material. We want to build our own, so we need to align ourselves with as many filmmakers as we can. We need to get back all of our properties that we gave out. This is the time for J.J. Abrams to say, okay, I'm going to work exclusively with Disney, exclusively with Universal. And Mm -hmm. based on this report... That seems like the most likely scenario. I believe the report said those two are probably the top contenders, with Disney obviously having maybe a little bit of an edge given his alignment with Star Wars. And also I believe it said that he he likes working with Iger too, which obviously helps. The theme park thing is important to him, and obviously those are the two companies with the biggest theme park uh, presence. Warner Brothers apparently is still in the mix. I personally would be very surprised if he goes that route. I know he's got the Warner Brothers TV deal that is soon to expire, and his deal with Paramount I don't think expires until 2020 maybe. Mm -hmm. So he can't sign a deal until after that. I think, well, the article did say that this is all in the very early, like they're planning this well in advance for that. But, you know, when you're talking about a deal of this scope with this kind of money being thrown around, this is why all of this stuff has to be prepped right now. Yeah. And um, I think that if he's going to, well, if he's going to sign a deal and Mm -hmm. if he does sign a deal, I think it it, it, all signs point to Disney because they have the money to really lure him in. But the thing is, too, because of look at the excitement that the streaming service of Disney has already done because they've been making the right moves. They've been using their properties the right way to market it. Now, we don't know what's going to happen and and how these shows are going to pan out, but you got the three Marvel shows now, right? There's Mm -hmm. there's Loki, um, Scarlet Witch, and then there was one more that was just announced. Uh, Falcon. And Falcon, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's three shows now for Marvel. So Marvel fans are going to lose it there. You got the Clone Wars series. You got the Mandalorian. So right now you you have a ton of subscribers already to watch all of that stuff. You got the live action, the live action Disney movies that they're working on. They're going to do original Disney movies there. J.J. Abrams is not only a director that is very successful and responsible for bringing back Force Awakens and, and all that. He's also a very um, prominent television producer, which you mentioned, and film producer as well, too. I just saw Overlord, Overlord. last night. So Bad Robot... It has a lot of stake in the game when it comes to producing films and um, TV. So you're bringing him on not just as a director, obviously, and not just you're bringing him as an overall creative um, product. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense, especially if he gets along with Iger, that this is where he's going to land. Now, that does not necessarily mean like, oh, he's coming on and now he's going to just do all Star Wars stuff. If he does any Star Wars stuff, um, I wouldn't. If he does no Star Wars stuff, I wouldn't be surprised. I right. think he'll wind up doing something. When I had a chance to actually interview him, I don't even know if it made the cut. When I interviewed him for Fandango, I asked him about television. 
And I asked him about something he'd want to do for Star Wars, and he said that, of course, if, if the right project was there, and you know, then it's something he would love to do for, for television. But I think that The Mandalorian is also going to be very interesting because if The Mandalorian hits the way we all hope and think it will, more television products in the Star Wars oh, wow. world will happen. And what better guy than, hey, J.J., why don't you lead this, we, we, this idea of going down Star Wars this live-action way? It, it seems yeah. like the most likely outcome yeah. to me with this whole situation. They also did mention that it is not out of the realm of uh, possibility that, you know, uh, a, a digital network, a streaming service uh, could be in the mix, too, something like a Netflix or an Apple. But once you look mm-hmm. at something like that, I think you can completely take it off the table because, again, the article stressed that he wants he wants films, television series, digital content, music, games, consumer products and theme park opportunities. Yeah. And. I, when you read off a list like that, yes, Universal has a lot of that, if yeah. not all of it. But it's got a bubble that, gum that shrimp. just says, like, I can condense all of those things and just see Disney. Right, it's a new playground. The, the theme park. They're, they're, I mean, the, the theme park itself has been open forever, but like the Star Wars part of it is, and they're constantly, they're always building it, and he's going to have a lot more power now. I don't believe this rumor, but there was rumors that he was talking to Iger about running Lucasfilm at one point. Um, or at least the creative part of it, if Kathleen Kennedy didn't resign her deal. I don't believe those reports. I don't think that they are necessarily true, that he passed it off and said no. But if he did, and and then the conversation started to go here, it's something that that is certainly possible. Um, But I think that this is more in his wheelhouse to not just saying, I'm looking at Star Wars. It's I'm looking at Star Wars and everything else. Right. And I think that that's a smart move for him because he's constantly evolving, creating. He's, his brain doesn't stop working. So I think this is a good move for him. One other kind of fun, interesting fact from this thing that could tip the scale even more so in Disney's direction is I found it really interesting how they pointed out that obviously Steven Spielberg is at Universal with Amblin. And mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams, they align quite a bit. J.J. Yeah. Abrams looks up to, to Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. If J.J. went to Universal, they might have the opportunity to collaborate. But then they also added that J.J. could feel more competitive with Spielberg, and that could wind up turning him off. I just That, that idea of that kind of uh, relationship p- going in that direction rather than just purely collaborative. Right. Well, why don't it's you master and yeah, apprentice. It's curious. Master and apprentice, and the apprentice goes off to do his own thing. You know, it's, or like you look at like football, right? Yeah. Instead of being the assistant coach on the yeah. mentor, you go off yeah. and you coach against him on a different team. Yeah. And that is he'll, – he'll really make his claim – if he goes to Disney, I think that if yeah. you're if you're betting, if you if you could bet on this in Vegas, you throw down a, a hundred bucks and you're gonna you'll be fine. Not without a oh, absolutely. Yeah, although you probably wouldn't get paid out much because the odds are gonna be yeah. stacked yeah, yeah, there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. What's next? <laughs> what what is next is uh, this interview with Josh Horowitz on the Happy Sad Podcast, Happy Sad Confused Podcast. Richard E. Grant telling uh, how he uh, got the job for Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, and this is a, a little insight into the audition process. They gave him, uh, and he's talk, he did a little video, too, when he first got announced or something like that. He did like a little YouTube video or something where he was talking about how excited he was. And it uh, shed some light into the, the uh, um, uh, audition process. He was given a, a sides for something completely different, a 1940s British 
B picture that was uh, an interrogation scene, and he did that, and he was brought back, and then he goes walks back into the interview, and there's uh, JJ in the uh, interview, the audition, which is really an interview, uh, job interview. Uh, walks in there, JJ and Daisy Ridley are there, and JJ's like, hey, so you're going to do it, and so begin. So um, a lot of people are trying to use this as insight into what his character might be. I don't necessarily think that because even though he was doing an interrogation scene, they they made him do a lot of different uh, versions and different uh, characters and stuff like that. So just fun. He's very excited. Uh, every, he's happy to talk about the process. At least it's not the first time. So seems like it's a pretty like it's a bigger role than we maybe thought it was. Um, I, I the more and more I, I a look at him and uh, b um, hear more about what it could be. You got to lean on the fact that he's going to play a villain. It would be a swerve if he wasn't, but I think he's playing a villain. The question I have, and I guess this is part of the speculation that we do, is why was Daisy Ridley there? You know, like, why was Daisy Ridley there for that particular character? Right. Like, was she just there hanging out with J.J. for the day? And he said, hey, do you want to meet some of the people that are going to be cast in the new movie? Possible. Or is it like, hey, you got the gig. You're going to be heavily involved with Ray. Um, or you're going to have some scenes with Ray, which is also possible, too. He could be a high-ranking official in the First Order, interrogating her, getting, getting a hold of her. Um, or there could be something more. There could be something kind of locked in. So I think he's going to have a pretty big role, Perry. What do you think? I think he's going to have a big role, too. And I think he should have a big role because then they'll be able to say, hopefully, Academy Award nominee from, from this year, right. Richard E. Grant, is a Star Wars character. Because What's he get for one movie? If you have not seen him in Can You Ever Forgive Me, put that at the top of your list. He is so good in that movie. And he's is probably... That, that film? If I was... Uh, no. Okay. No, that's not that one. But um, if... I were to give my predictions right now, he would be in my locked category for pretty much, no, no, not to win, but pretty much guaranteed to get a nomination. And, you know, actually the same for her as well. She's fantastic in it. But it's interesting thinking about this, having just seen that, because when I first read this story and you say, oh, they, you know, had him test with an interrogation scene, obviously I could see him putting on an imperial uniform and interrogating someone and being pretty terrifying doing just that. But when you see how just like colorful and vibrant his character is in Can You Ever Forgive Me? And, and especially when you incorporate the idea of Daisy Ridley being in that room, I could see him being something, I, I don't know, I guess maybe more along the lines of, I don't want to compare it to this because I didn't love how things panned out for that character, but like a DJ, like someone with, right. uh, someone who you don't necessarily know where their intentions lie right off the bat and someone who could be very interesting to track throughout the film. You know, Ken, I know it's, mm. it's time period wise, it just doesn't mm. line up, but if they ever did, if they did it, he would have play, played a good Sanjir, I think too, you know? Oh, uh, good singer. Yeah, that that's that's not that bad idea. at all. Um, just, it just doesn't match up time with. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. Yeah, look, I keep saying, go to Spice World, Richard E. Grant Spice World. He, Daisy Ridley <laughs> is the love new, that movie. I love I love the Spice Why Girls. Why would you love that? The movie? reunion tour coming. Uh, Daisy Ridley is the new posh Spice, right? Like that's that's where I go to. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be a baddie, but I also know he's very capable of that. And and look, I mean, look at that shot. They just put yeah. that in the first order. Uniform and, and it makes some sense as well. There's a shot. There's oh, yeah. a shot though that what Perry was talking about. If he gets nominated, right? And and let's say Adam Driver gets nominated, that we have 
two Star Wars actors episode nine that are nominated for Oscars this year. It'd be interesting. Can you say something else? No, 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 no. I'm just going to say watch Spice World. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anything else in the world of movie news? One final story. Yes, John Boyeg was on the Twitter, the Twitter, as Chris Jericho would say. Uh, someone tweeted, hopefully my man John Boyega will truly shine in episode nine, and a thin character will be shown as a badass hero. I've been waiting for him to be since episode seven, and hopefully he'll wield a lightsaber again. And then Boyega, Boyega actually responded, we've got you in this one, bro. Trust me. So now, uh, fun speculation. Let's speculate. Will Finn get a lightsaber again? Will he just be a real badass on the ground? I don't know. What do you think? Do you want Finn to have a lightsaber? Do you want him to be Force-sensitive? Um, Not that you need to be Force-sensitive to wield a lightsaber, as he yeah, learned. No, I don't know. I mean, remember, before The Force Awakens came out, and I remember on, on this show... A lot of people, because of the images of the that came shot, out, yeah. right, mm-hmm. they thought that he was the lead Jedi. He was mm-hmm. the lead um, Force-sensitive character, and, and then obviously then, then it became Rey. And I think that they gave that away in a commercial or something. Um, but I don't know how I would feel about it towards the end, because the way that they set up the end of 8 is that it, if it's in there, if it's in you, it can come out. You know, it's, it's about finding it. And maybe we haven't any, any indications that that is the case with him, though, right? But him picking up the sword again could be the the lightsaber again could be poetic. It could be something that we saw from that first one, and maybe Reyes taught him how to how to do it. The question is, where are we in regards to how many force sensitive people we've found in general? Now, I don't think Jay, Jay, I don't think Ray is going to form a new academy like a, people, a lot of people have, have speculated. I think that she will find some force sensitive people that she's running with, maybe helping. But an academy itself, I don't know. I think that we. Sh- I hope. That we see more lightsaber fights in this one, um, like lightsaber on actual lightsaber fights. We didn't have that in the last episode. I hope that we do, and I believe that we will. But I don't know. I, I'm okay with him either. Either way, it just depends on how it's executed. I think I'm I'm okay with either way also. But I do think if he picks up a lightsaber, it isn't necessarily going to be because all of a sudden he's well trained right. or he's no. force sensitive or anything like that. I think it might be you know an accident or something or something like that. Something maybe to pay homage to what happens in Force Awakens, where he just happens to land with it in his hands. But I don't think he's getting trained or anything. And I think just that response is is taken way too yeah. far. Him saying "trust me" does not necessarily mean "oh, trust me, I'm going to end up with that right. lightsaber." Just, trust me, there's going to be a lot of lightsaber battles. I think that's. Yeah. I think we're looking yeah. at a lot. There's going to be tons of lightsaber battles in this one. Do you, do you agree with that, Ken? Yeah, I, I absolutely think you, you do need the big final fight. I think you need that. Hey, I'm with you. I don't want. I love Finn in seven getting that blade. That was a great shot, great sequence. But it's it's. It'd be it'd be a little bit of a cheat for him to suddenly be like I'm feeling tingle. Right. Oh, I've got the force. Right. It, it, it force isn't something you can catch uh, down at a cantina or something. So I, I think though he'll be he'll have a lot more action. Uh, episode eight was was a was a, a journey to his choice, and he made that choice, and now he he will be uh, at the front of the resistance. I'm picturing someone in that cantina sneezing on Finn and right. getting the force now. now well, you wouldn't be Vince McMahon would kick you out of the room. <laughs> um, I would uh, also say that I think that we've talked about this before there was conversations on here about two months ago we asked if we thought the little teaser was going to come out around thanksgiving right the way that force awakens did i am going i don't even know i said maybe at the time i don't remember what my answer was i say a hard no right now on that one i think that you would have heard some buzz about it that it was coming i think that the they might even be holding which i i, I can't imagine they're going to do they're going to wait for celebration to do their first even teaser trailer 
kind of crazy. Think they, I think they might wait? because I mm. think if we're if we're thinking about getting any big Disney teaser trailer between now and uh, New Year's, it's going to be Avengers yeah. Four. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think mm. I think you're actually you're, you're probably and right. They, probably they December, also have Mary to, Poppins. They got to focus so yeah. I mean, Mary Poppins is huge for them, and then they have to focus so heavy not just on Avengers Four but Captain Marvel. And yeah, we've seen Disney promote multiple things at any given moment, mm-hmm. but. They, they've got some big, big things that need to hit very big next year. So I think it would be in their best interest to kind of put the focus on Marvel and then all of a sudden switch gears and go super strong into Star Wars. Yes. The only I'm, – I'm on your side 100%. The only counter to it is that April is celebration, right? Avengers comes out in April. May, uh, maybe end of April, beginning of May, end of April, like they did last year. They push it back, yeah, yeah, whatever. But so the marketing of all that will already be pretty heavy, have pushed into it, and and Captain Marvel would already have come out. So it might make sense that they put it out there too. But it's also, you know, what's the talk? Is the well, you know what? You might be right because because I think that the actually the more I think about it, the week before. Um, Avengers comes out or around that is when Celebration is and then they put it before you might not be wrong Um, well either way it's the question is will that be the first trailer or the second trailer Um, I don't know maybe you get some maybe you get some Super Bowl maybe you get maybe you get a little teaser at Super Bowl it's possible I mean that's that's the game that uh, Solo played so didn't work though Eh, it didn't really work work. but this is I think this is a different story especially when you've had such a long break so learn a lesson yeah or maybe even something like to tease uh, celebration they release a very short tease like you know like what they did one of my favorite uh, teaser trailers ever is the four Awakens one where it's just a very small select amount of images yeah. that you don't really see all that much but each piece just like speaks a lot about what could be in the story and gets you speculating and then come celebration they release a full trailer. That's kind of what we were thinking. That, that was mm-hmm. the original conversation. Mm-hmm. The original conversation was something like that coming out now because that's what they did or Thanksgiving time. That's yeah. what they did for, yeah. for in 2014. But instead of that maybe they maybe they do it at the beginning of 2019 and that's the little teaser. Guess what's coming? Now you only have to wait a couple of months before you get the big full trailer. You can see that happening. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I think it's more likely that that teaser mm-hmm. comes out in January, February. Well then they pair that teaser with Captain Marvel Marvel, then they released the full trailer at they Celebration could. and pair that with Avengers totally. 4. Totally. Absolutely. Mm. All right. That's it in the world of movie news. Now, before we move on mm. to canon, Ken did something really uh, interesting last week, and I like it. I think we're going to stick with it. Just going to take some questions. Oh, yeah. Some questions. People are out there watching live right now. Yeah. we got some live stuff coming in. If you want to hashtag Cloud or Jedi Council and get some of your questions on the air right now or go to the Facebook group, you can do that or in the chat room of YouTubes. What do you got? All right, uh, let's start here on Twitter, live, live. This is from Kloon at Klooner. Uh, considering how good Sam Witwer is as Maul and how the live-action appearances uh, are now on hold, could you see there being a Maul-led animated series that fills in the gaps between Clone Wars and Solo Rebels because he had an arc in the Clone Wars, as we know, uh, where he was the star, says uh, Clooner. So, uh, Maul, short animated series. Could I see it? Yeah. Sure. Um, I could see it. I could see them doing something that fills in maybe after Solo because I think the plan was, hey, Solo is going to be so great. We're going to do it's going to do so great. We're going to do a sequel and then we'll continue the story to show you where Maul is. That's not going to happen anytime soon. So maybe they do it through animation. I could see that happening. Um, I don't 
think anytime soon. They mm-hmm. could do it through a comic series. They could do it through books. I want to see Sam Witwer because I know how talented he is. He's doing his, He's doing really well on Supergirl right now. Um, he's a phenomenal actor. He knows Star Wars, obviously. If you've watched the Schmodown, the guy knows Star Wars better than Pablo Hidalgo does. Um, and he is a kind of sore of the stuff. I want to see him in a live-action role. Mm-hmm. And I don't even just like, oh, a cameo by the guy who did Darth Maul. No, voice him, in the background. Yeah, yeah, Give him a role. Give him a give, role he can make his own, too. That's what I mean. It's like, it's, it, And I think he's got that shot, because also in television, he's got that shot in The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. his relationship with, with Filoni and his relationship, um, I'm sure, with Favreau, too. I don't know. I haven't talked to him about Favreau. But give him a chance to shine in live action. The guy is... Good-looking dude. He's intense. Mm. He knows Star Wars. He knows the world. And I think I can't believe he hasn't gotten a role a role yet. I just can't believe it because of his relationship there. But maybe this is the role in Mandalorian that he was supposed to have. Maybe. I mean, he's brought in for so many background voices. He and Dave Collins and even James Earl Taylor. All those guys are in in Solo in Rogue One. It's just the background stormtroopers. In fact, he and Dave Collins have had that ongoing conversation about the the T14s and everything or the you know, the, the, it's pretty funny, but yeah. So there he's on the mind of Matthew Wood and his sound design team and the background background voices, but I I think uh, I mean, look what he did as Starkiller, you know, which was motion right. capture video him. game performance. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, well cause the thing is look, not and I know it's a, it's an ongoing conversation that a lot of a lot of voice actors. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's straight up legit acting, right? Oh yeah. A lot yeah, of people yeah. don't don't take that into consideration. Especially now. Yeah. Now, not all voice actors look like their characters or could play an intense character or right. could or could transfer over into the movies and in a lead right. role, right? Yeah. Sam Witwer is not one of those people. Sam Witwer right. is a guy that he's he's got a lead actor type of feel to him. He is intense. He is one of these people that again, his knowledge of Star Wars is second to none. And I think that I believe he's going to get a role in The Mandalorian. I couldn't believe, I wouldn't, I can't imagine that Filoni wouldn't at least recommend him to Favreau. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll see. We'll see about that. And as, far as, yeah, as far as, yeah, as far as the Mall series, like that's something that would be in, in works already. You know, we're just, right. the Resistance cast got cast and did the voices two years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. That, so we, we, will, we won't know until it comes out. Do you think there'll be a Mall series? Should there be? I, I don't think there's going to be. Not in the very near future because of just, you know, the way solo. the way things happened after Solo. Yeah. I have a feeling they, they probably won't touch that and they'll go in other directions. You're probably right. Uh, next. Perry checking in to remind you, if you are a DC fan, you'll definitely want to check out the latest live action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. The series first premiered on October 12th and new episodes are available to stream Every Friday, it's the very first original series to launch on DC Universe, and it follows a group of young, soon-to-be superheroes. That includes Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin. We have Rachel Roth, a.k.a. Raven. Corey Anders, also known as Starfire. And Gar Logan, known as Beast Boy. This group gets caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on Earth, and while they fight all of that, they become a surrogate family and a team of heroes. It is a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise from Executive 
executive producers that you might know. That group includes Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti, Greg Walker, Sarah Schechter, and John Fawcett. Titans explores one of the most popular comic book teams ever, and this show is only available on DC Universe. You can also access it on all of your favorite devices if you opt to pay $7.99 a month or you get 20% off a yearly membership. So join the ultimate DC membership at dcuniverse.com. Facebook group here, Alisa Alessio Pasquale uh, asked, does the Boba Fett movie uh, death, we're talking about Return of Jedi, means we have a good chance of seeing the Cad Bane Boba Fett arc in the upcoming final episodes of The Clone Wars next year? I feel this is an important question that needs answering. Well, we're going to try to answer it there. Um, uh, Boba Fett. All right, taking the Mandalorian aside, this Cad Bane arc, we saw a clip of it. We saw that's how Boba Fett gets the yeah. thing. Do you think we'll see that in the Clone Wars? Not that, not mm-hmm. that scene. I think that scene lives, and I think it's seen, it lives on the Internet, and I believe that scene is considered canon, if I'm not mistaken. Because um, it's from the Lost episodes, right? Yeah, or? I think so. I don't think that they're going to include that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tackle it again, because we don't know exactly when it lands Right. right before Revenge of the Sith, we know, right? Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to lead into Revenge of the Sith. Will there be? Will Cad Bane show up? I, I would put a good uh, amount of money on saying, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to show up one way or another. Now he's going to be tied into Boba Fett. I don't think so. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Filoni went down that road. But he's only had was it ten episodes? It's ten episodes, and I don't think it's uh, it's new stuff. You don't think? What do you mean? You think- it's not. Newly created. You think it's stuff that they already had that they were gonna that they that they script wise script wise or that they shot already. You think they all shot it already? I think they've got stuff that they're like, let's take this off the shelf and put it together. Yeah, I mean, not look, that there's not new things that you need to record, right? But I so that's why something like this could be possible, but also even less likely to me because that's already been out there. What about huh. Dark Disciple? Because Dark Disciple, if you don't know, Christy Golden's novel was taken from the Clone Wars script. Yeah. I mean, it was a Katie, full on, Katie Lucas's scripts, indeed, full yeah. on script. This was something that Dave Filoni was going to shoot and make happen. Yeah. Dark, the Dark Disciple storyline, sure. and then Christy Golden just expanded on it, which is a fantastic novel. You guys mm-hmm. should check that out. Yeah. Um, will I want to see that in live action form. I think that's yeah. a that's oh, a, great, a, a great oh, opportunity yeah, you, to you know a, deliver a live action to, Asajj Ventress. I think they're well gonna to come. deliver two very yeah. cinematic characters yeah. with yeah. a lot. Of personality yeah, that are yeah. so so extensively well developed. I don't yeah. disagree. I just think that I think they're going to cover this in in the yeah. Clone Wars series because it was supposed to happen because of how yeah. crucial it is. It could be to, yeah. because of what happens and because it's so crucial to the arc yeah. of the overall story. I mean, it is very important because you're going to ask what happens to a lot of those characters that are in the story, and you get answers. And yeah. I think that that's going to be an episode. I think that that's will be one of the first times we really see. And people are going to think that it's adapted from the novel where it wasn't. It mm. was taken. It's, right. it's the tricky situation of anything that was said in the novel is canon. But then, you know, they switch stuff around like they did in some of the, the adaptations from right. the films. And they said, well, you know, if it's in the that's what Pablo said. If it's in the movies or and it's on screen, that's what's canon. So if right. it contradicts the novel, right, right, then right. the novel itself 
that part isn't canon because there's stuff that happens in in the Force Awakens novel mm-hmm. that um, definitely contradicts yeah, the absolutely. film. So uh, a lot of it just th- that might happen. Yeah. I, I think they're going to cover the Asajj Ventress thing. Yeah, I think I think you can see a lot of the Siege of Mandalore, uh, yeah. which uh, Sokka's involved in, and the end of that is is covered a little bit in the E.K. Johnston book. Yeah, uh, and and that is where I'm paraphrasing the, that little story. But like, uh, can you paraphrase the story? You're smarter than me, Perry. <laughs> uh, um, that's when. Anakin's like, oh, gotta go. There's something going on, of course, right. which leads into Revenge of the Sith. I think that's the. I wouldn't mind stuff. seeing the Dark Disciple story explored. As far as Boba Fett goes, though, right. I mean, what you just said kind of changed changes how I'm thinking about it a little bit. But also because that movie was on the table at all, I wonder mm-hmm. if that just muddies the waters in terms of who is allowed to tackle what. Right. And given how long it does take, you know, no matter what their situation was, how long it takes to put together an animated series and develop a movie. I feel like there might have been too much potential crossover where they might have taken that opportunity away from him. But, I, like, I don't know the production and development schedules. I'm just thinking that because both of them were on the table at the same time, that might make it a little complicated. Yeah, and then the other thing, Ken, mm. if you're saying that, you know, you think that it's going to be stuff that's already been shot or already yeah. on the shelf, I wonder, though... Because, you know, The Mandalorian's been in development for a very long time right. before it was announced. Mm-hmm. Right. I wonder if there'll be any setup to the Mandalorian at all because it's, oh, right, it's right, granted right. It's, it's years before. Oh, yeah. I would love that. But little references that Favreau and Filoni could say, hey, I'm putting out these 10 episodes. What if we just did this? And then that's just like a little Easter egg for mm-hmm. episode three when this happens. That could right. be cool. That's the benefit of working with a series like Star Wars yeah. when you have the opportunity to drop little things like that. And mm-hmm. again, the Disney machine, you want to drive people from one thing that they're so focused on to another if they're not already exposed to, let's say, the streaming service or these animated series. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to shift on over and we are going to bring up a segment on the show that we simply call What's the Deal with Canon? Um, we talk about everything happening in the world of Star Wars that's not the movies, but they can connect. Maybe it is the Mandalorian, comics, video games, new TV shows, whatever it is, we're going to talk about it. Ken, what's happened in the world? Uh, well, you know, we got to start. I, I sometimes, I think some of these notes uh, change from the first time I read it. So there's an uh, Ashley Eckstein story about what might be coming in, in season seven of The Clone Wars. Okay. Um, she says, I'm reading this quote here. Uh, I'm reading this for the first time. Bear with me. I can promise, obviously, Dave Filoni is part of it, and he's done his best to bring back a lot of the key people that were part of the show, pretty much all the cast members and also some of the main crew members. The stories are incredible. The people are incredible, and anything Dave Filoni touches is going to be amazing. Well, you know. That didn't really give any insight. No, uh, <laughs> not really, not at all. But I think that I mean, she, she's very, she, uh, uh, the way that Lucas trained F- Filoni mm-hmm. in his philosophies. Yeah, Filoni has trained Ashley Eckstein in his philosophies yes. because she has been very close to Filoni, and and I've had a pleasure of interviewing her many times. The the passion that and appreciation that she has for him as a creator and as a friend and someone who really jump started her career. Um, I mean, she was working beforehand, but Ahsoka was really the one that, and, and believing in her, even when it was going south, um, you can see she knows what's going on. She knows what's going to happen. And I think that if you looked at that teaser trailer that came out at Comic-Con, right? It was Comic-Con mm-hmm. that they debuted this, it. This one? Well, the, the big, the big comic the big teaser trailer that yeah. did for, that was for Comic-Con. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, it was Comic-Con, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I think... Um, what, what Ahsoka's going to be leading the charge, and we're going to see... This Ahsoka here, the one that we saw, reflected what we ultimately see in Rebels. 
Yeah. That, yeah. When yeah. she started to talk to, talk to Anakin Absolutely. and the things were going to happen, they have to go off in another direction at mm-hmm. some point because when he finds her again and they battle in, in season two, it's like he thinks that she's gone. And it's not from what we originally thought from the end of season five or season six. It's going to be from this new one, the season seven here. It's going to be what happens to the two of them again because they split up once she walks away. But we see that they reconnect at least in the conversation. Yeah. So what happens? What do you think, her? Um, I am. I'm just kind of eager to see what they're actually going to deliver with this. I mean, it's. I think uh, most of the quotes that I read from this thing was pretty much what you just. Yeah, yeah. What, what you just paraphrased. Yeah. It was basically a lot of patting Dave Filoni on the back, which is obviously very well deserved. But then she does get into talking pretty extensively about the idea of her getting used to where Ahsoka was when we saw her in Rebels and Mm -hmm. how she had to change her voice to reflect that. And now the idea of going back and the kind of situation that we're going to find her in. And, you know, she was basically just saying she's she's in a different place. She left the Jedi Order and she's dealing with all those thoughts and emotions and questions of, like, what happens next? And that's a lot of the stuff that's always really intrigued me about Ahsoka, especially having read that book, which Ashley Eckstein reads very, very well. I mean, you guys know how much I love those audiobooks, and mm-hmm. she was just the perfect person, obviously, to voice that, not just with Ahsoka, but with what she does with everything. But that's always the question with that character, that I, I think even though we've tapped into it already between the book and Rebels, it's incredible to me that there's still so much more to explore with that. Yeah. Uh, Ken? Mm. Yeah, I, I think the character of Ahsoka, the show grew up with her. Uh, you know, Snips starts uh, kind of bad with the fan base. We all kind of, what is this? This uh, precocious little preteen is calling, uh, you know, Artui and Stinky and all this stuff. And then she grows up. We, uh, You know, it's a lesson for us fans to let kind of this next generation come in and grow up into themselves. And and this moment, uh, which is from that teaser trailer, that, that's, that's Siege of Mandalore stuff. That stuff, that's her now being a, a leader. And then it goes into that, that, that very, uh, I think, somewhat underrated novel. I think a lot of people read it in the Star Wars fan base. But because it, it was outside of Delray, it was Lucasfilm printing, I think didn't get as much uh, press. And, and I think it's a really good book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it shows how, how she gets her blades and all those kind of things. So I love love this character and that's that's to me ahsoka is felonies you know what i mean and yeah. lucas had a lot to do with that he wanted this series to be led by by a young female he wanted that but this was this was feloni stepping in there and this is uh, his baby in a way so i think he's always going to be protective and always going to give mm-hmm. us something really good about uh the ahsoka character agreed what's next uh yeah, what is next? Uh, clicked off that. Uh oh, Industrial Light and Magic is opening up a TV v- division just in time for uh, Disney New Star Wars show. But this one will be uh, in their London studios. Uh, L- uh, ILM, of course, uh, synonymous with Star Wars, essentially created to make A New Hope work in a Van Nuys warehouse not too far from us here. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people, we, we see this all the time. There was a job posting that a lot of people tweet us about director of uh, live action TV development for Lucasfilm stuff. They're clearly not going to just rest with Mandalorian. They want to see what the Mandalorian does, like you say, but I think you, you've, you've been right about this from the beginning. This is going to reignite a lot of passions for a lot of people, and yeah. I think uh, they're, they're, they're getting ready for, for keeping on going. But also, don't forget, they, they, they did Young Indiana Jones Chronicles back in the 90s, which was a great show. Yeah. Uh, Darabont wrote on that. McCallum produced that, so there could be a lot of other things. This show, the Mandalorian in general, is going to be one of the most expensive shows of all time, but it, Ooh, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. It's a 10-hour Star Wars movie. So it's a 10-hour Star Wars movie taking the risk in, in streaming, using... It's going to look great. Like Again, referencing 
Game of Thrones. The CGI and the stuff in Game of Thrones with the dragons and everything. I mean, it's it's like mind-blowing. You never really saw anything like that in television before. When you see something like that, that, that they're capable of doing that with the budget that Game of Thrones has, which is similar to what this show will have to, um, if not more, it's, um, yeah, the, the, the hope is real, you know, and knowing that... It, ILM is going to be doing it again. Great. Sign me up and, and keep having them work on more stuff. Always a good thing when, when they're working. Yet another. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Right. What's going to happen You're eventually? Drinking tea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should be. You're that was coffee. Tea. Oh, well, that's um, not going to be helpful. Yeah, I anyway. know. It's probably yeah. going to make it worse because there's also milk yeah. in there. Sorry. Oh, that's, that's a gross not... picture to paint. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> this is just another example of a company kind of adapting with the times. They mm. need to open a TV division, especially if and I think when The Mandalorian is a big hit that's going to open up a lot of opportunities. And, you know, doing this kind of work in the TV format is completely different than film with, with the, the constant turnaround. In order to keep delivering new episodes, whether whether they release them week to week or maybe just uh, dump it all at once, that's a much more compressed schedule than I think what they're used to in the feature film realm. So this is just a good way to prepare, get ready for Mandalorian, and also everything that's going to come after it. Yeah. Um, Ken, you're pretty happy that these, these guys are back, right? Yeah, I mean, again, we talked about the formation of this. It was like, all right, how do we make these little models look good in space? And then that works, and other people are like, hey, how would you do that? Next thing you know, it's you know part of Lucas's empire, uh, and that's even though George wasn't necessarily in the trenches or you know the Death Star trenches, ha ha ha. You know, this is John Dykstra and that whole team. Right. Uh, Dykstra worked on the first one, but you know, wasn't there for the other ones. But uh, I love that it's uh, they'll do good stuff, and it just shows where we are now. Yeah, you talk about you know growing up, it was like Knight Rider. <laughs> oh, the best in TV, Airwolf. That's right, though. But that, well, it's so different. And now we got this. Yes, and because of streaming, when Perry was yeah. talking about earlier, how the business has just changed overall, movies live on, yeah. and, they, and they disguise themselves in television form. Like, again, I always Absolutely. throw back to Ozark. Ozark is a 10 hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Stranger mm-hmm. Things is a 10 hour movie. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, they're serialized, obviously, but I think that that's, that's what we're going to get. Um, okay, mm-hmm. because we only have like eight minutes left, we yeah. have a very special guest coming in pretty soon. Um, I wanted to ask you w- to summarize canon real quick, and then we'll take a couple questions from the fans and get the heck out of here. Uh, well, so uh, Star Wars Resistance, you want, to, you want to talk about that? Give me yeah. that real quick, So, yeah. because there's something at the end, a little brief spoiler that people it's should great. know about. I've already, Star Wars Resistance has already really, really grown on me. I, I, I was like, you know, you guys said on the show, like, I don't know, it might not be something I tune into every week. And I, nope, wrong. I've been tuned every week. It's got some slapsticky humor at times. It doesn't get too too much for me, but, you know, uh, Kaz gets a little, Yay! but it's fun. It's it's all from character. But they're throwing these little things, and they start talking. These, this, they deal with refugees and these kids who are running away. The Children of Tahar episode. I won't spoil it too much, but yeah, they 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 drop the first reference to that guy, um, yeah. and it's scary and it's frightening, and it, and it gives a little state of what's going on. Remember, the First Order is known to where they're allowed to come to the Colossus, this rig that everyone's worked on, because it's like, it's it's. You know, for lack of a better term, like a political political organization, and like, oh, they're allowed to be here. They haven't really Star Killer Base is not known. They haven't struck out. Right. Um, so it's interesting to see how that all works in. And then this is the first like, oh, there's something else with this group, and he's got a red laser sword. I got to get into it. I'll tell you why. Because I liked the first two episodes that I saw, and I talked about it on this mm-hmm. show. I haven't felt compelled to watch it 
the way that I did Rebels and Clone Wars and everything else, too. I have them all backed up on my computer. I'm ready to watch all of them, um, and I'm going to, and I'll probably binge watch all of them once I see it. But it, it's like it hasn't grabbed me yet, but it's again, I've only seen two episodes, and I'm hoping that, that it does. I liked them when I saw yeah, yeah. them, and I understood what they were, and I still, but I, I, I'm going to go back and check it out. I've got to make time. I'm yeah. really mad at myself that I haven't kept up with it, but... You know, coming coming right off of October, there was a lot of uh, horror content to digest, and also with FYC, so right. many uh, uh, potential Academy Award nominees to watch. Yeah, you but gotta work. You I got to make time for this. All right, is that everything? Uh, that's everything in a can. All right, so we're gonna take we'll take probably only take one question right now because Ooh. we got we got to jump. But let's do one question from you guys. We took a couple before. We'll do one question and then get us out of here. Okay, one question. Um, Oh, that's a lot of lot of pressure. Know, a lot of pressure, but <laughs> just grab one. Grab Timothy one. What do you Iverson. want to talk about? Timothy Iverson, is there a smaller or secondary character in the Star Wars universe canon that you'd like to see have their own film or television series? Do you think this character could carry their own franchise or trilogy of films? With streaming coming out and this possibility of seeing what MCU might be doing with Loki and Scarlet Witch and stuff, this is, this is a solid question and, and a, a big possibility. It's a great Got question. some right? choices? I still go back to the Emperor Palpatine thing. I go Helps. back... I go back to the Palpatine. You really want to make it like a, a House of Cards type of show to see what happened and how he rises. You, you take a lot of the elements from the James Lucino novel. You make it a 10-episode limited series. You show the rise of Palpatine, how he became Palpatine. You put Tom Hiddleston as Palpatine. Uh, sign me up. I'm good to go. Uh, I go with Phasma. Having read that book and also seeing mm. her so underutilized in these recent movies, there's a lot to explore that happened before she ever dons that suit. And just the idea of those masks that they wear with her growing up where she lives, I think something about that is so visually stimulating and cinematic. I want to see that happen. Ken? I would, uh, you know, uh, Ray Sloan in the First Order is great. I don't mm-hmm. know. That, that's that's a, maybe a smaller story. It's a hard uh, sell to the mass uh, of, of a bigger yeah. picture. I, I just want those answers so much. Um, uh, Kira and what happens after and going back to the mall thing. And I know that's animated, but if you could do a live action, Ray Park would love to do it, I'm sure. Uh, and what we're doing the voice, can you pay Amelia Clark enough money? If you're getting Hiddleston, you know, it's you, possible. What's, you say that. Is it crazy to do a 10-episode solo run no. with Alden and Donald Glover? Donald Glover. Is it crazy? No, nope. I don't think it's crazy at all. And I think I think more people would take – if they would even done the movie as that. And I love the movie. We know that we're not going yeah. to do that. I think if you've done that movie like that, more people would have taken to this character. I can't give a good reason why. But if you told me we were getting a 10-episode solo sequel versus a one-movie sequel, for whatever reason, I would be more interested in the TV format. I'll tell you the reason. You get more development. You would get yeah. – the, one of the big problems with Solo is that it felt so rushed. And there was so much inside of it that it's – it's like mm-hmm. uh, you wanted to see more of his development on Corellia and all that yeah. stuff, too, that you just couldn't cover it in it a two-hour It would be highly dependent on whoever is spearheading all of that, though. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Ron Howard said he'd like to do it. You guys. Said he'd like to come back. What do you got for us? Do you think uh, out, of the cat- out of the characters that exist in Star Wars, if you can get a 10-episode run on the streaming service, who would you choose? Who would you want to see? Go ahead and comment. Let us know. I'd like to thank our guest today, the Grand Moff Nemiroff. Perry, what are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? Oh, my God. So much is going yeah. on. Um, obviously, FYC on Monday. That is a big deal. Who's We've on that got show? Uh, someone named Adam Driver. Oh. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. He's just like this little guy that happened to make a really good movie yes, this year. Adam Driver. Yes. <laughs> That's what's going to be the entire yes, conversation. I love you. Yes. Yes. 
We got a lot of good reviews coming your way, too. Uh, Green Book is coming up. Wreck-It Ralph is coming up. Ralph Rakes the Internet. There's Mailbag this weekend. Go watch all that. And The Witching Hour. The Witching Hour is coming, and our guest for uh, Tuesday's episode might be the director of Child Eater, and I'm really excited oh. to share that with you guys. Kenneth, where can I find you? Hey, you can follow me at Catnapsuck, and that includes my podcast that's been around since 2013, the early days of podcasts. Really not much, even then it was old. The Napsuck Files, check it out. Great interview this week. More coming. I do it every week. Uh, and uh, you've all been on it as well. Maybe yeah, you'll a long be time. on it again. 2013 was the last yeah. time I was on it. <laughs> yeah. um, guys, for me, follow me at Christian Harloff, Twitter and Instagram. Just launched the Movie Trivia Schmodown website. It's easy. It's TriviaSD.com. Please go around and browse. Take a look at it. TriviaSD.com. You can see all the listing of the champions, past matches, new articles, rankings, schedule, all that stuff. It's in Wub. Wub? Wub? Hub triviasd.com. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. May the force be with you, always. If you're a DC fan, you'll definitely want to check out the latest live action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. Series premiered on October 12th, and new episodes available to stream every Friday. It is the first original series to launch on DC Universe. It follows a group of young, soon to be superheroes Dick Grayson, Robin. Rachel Roth is Raven, Corey Anders is Starfire, and Gar Logan is Beast Boy. The group gets caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on Earth. They become a surrogate family and a team of heroes. It's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise from executive producers Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti, Greg Walker, Sarah Schechter, John Fawcett. Titans explores one of the most popular comic book teams ever. It's available only on DC Universe on all your favorite devices. It's only $7.99 a month or 20% off a yearly membership. Join the ultimate DC membership at dcuniverse.com.